Hello, this is Paul. And this is Dave. We are the Derringer Brothers. And you are listening to Derringer Discovery. Each podcast, we take you on a journey. A musical journey. Today's podcast episode is... Anne and Nancy Wilson are the heart of rock and roll. They were the first women to front a hard rock group back in the 70s and make it successful and actually have hits. In fact, they had 20 top 40 hits. And guess what, Paul? 20? How are we going to cover 20 in our time slot? Well, you said I had a 10-song limit, right? Yes. Out of those 20 top 40 hits, they actually wrote or co-wrote 10 of them, and 10 of them they had no hand in co-writing it. Of the 20, they wrote 10, they did not write 10. Which are you going to pick? The 10 that they wrote, because like I said, the show was about Ann and Nancy Wilson. Paul, under no circumstances are you to force me to say who the bass player is or the drummer. Okay, but you've got to mention their boyfriends. Will you do that at least? I will mention their boyfriends because, interestingly enough, their boyfriends were brothers. Huh. One was in the group and one was the manager. And then they were dating the two sisters, of course, Anne and Nancy Wilson. So, yes, I will mention that. We were doing club gigs in Canada, cabaret. We were playing the stive. So we got fired because Anne said something about the food that was so bad there on stage. And the same night we got a call to open for Rod Stewart in Montreal. Well, let's start then, Dave. You're going to cover 10 songs written by Anne and or Nancy Wilson. Yes. And the first song, just think back to your college days, everyone. For me, I'm thinking to my childhood when I was still in the baby crib. Well, I'm, I'm much older and wiser than you, Paul, but I can remember coming back on my second year of college, we're talking about after the summer of 76, you know, the bicentennial. Remember that? I do remember that. Of course, I was a, kind of a cool guy back then. You, can you believe that? I do find that hard to believe. Okay. <laughs> and I only listened to rock and roll music and I didn't listen to all the top 40 hits. The only time I ever had to listen to top 40 was when I was eating in the cafeteria because they would pipe in the local top 40, uh, automated top 40. It didn't even have real DJs on it. It was like oh, everything was on that's tape. That's like sacrilegious, Dave. If you don't have real DJs. I heard this song coming through the loudspeaker. Had you ever heard this song before? Never heard it before, but it was like a revelation. A revelation? So what could this possibly be? What was it that you heard that was a revelation? So we got on the train and went across the country and opened for Rod Stewart in Montreal. They'd heard our stuff because the album had just sort of come out and we were still playing clubs and all that. And they knew the song. They knew Magic Man. I think we should just go ahead and start playing the song before I even say what the name of the song is. We could. If there's a long intro, I might start just playing it before you say the name of it. Well, I'm not going to say the name of it until you play at least one clip. So here we go. (laughs) Clip number one. Cue it up. Queuing up the clip. <laughs> Cold late nights so long ago when I was not so strong, you know. Good man came to me, never seen us so blue. You know I could not run away, it seemed. We'd seen each other in a dream. Seemed like he knew me, he looked right through me. Yeah. So, what was the song that you heard when you were? eating in the cafeteria and this was at JMU it was in fall of 1976 it was on the radio top 40 hit Magic Man and that's a clip of Magic Man that's the first song by heart that Dave heard and they all 
put their lighters up. And we were like, oh, this is a moment that said to us that we do have a snowball's chance at hell. <laughs> Dave, what did you think of Magic Man? I love that song. When I had a, to do a TV production on physical fitness, I had a TV production video with like people lifting weights and, you know, pumping iron. And I had Magic Man playing in the background. I only got like a B minus on it. So I was a little miffed. Well, I bet your professor just had never heard Magic Man. No, I don't think my professor really was getting into Ann and Nancy Wilson the way I was. <laughs> Interesting. Was Magic Man a hit? Magic Man was a big, big hit. It was a number nine hit. That is huge. Ouch, a number How- nine hit. Ouch, a number nine hit. Yes. How many times can I say that before you cut that out? I don't know. Let's try. How big of a hit was it? A number nine hit. Ouch. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. How did they follow up Magic Man? Crazy on you. Yeah. That's got a great opening. You know, Nancy's guitar playing at the beginning is just phenomenal. Is it from the same album as Magic Man? Yes. The album that Magic Man and the second single were from was called Dreamboat Annie. That was a pretty big album. That was a big album. I looked it up just now on Spotify. You did. Magic Man has been streamed almost 27 million times. But... But... Crazy on You has been streamed 83 million times. Okay. Crazy on You went all the way to number 35. It's kind of interesting with the first two singles. The first single, Ann Wilson wrote about her boyfriend, the manager of Heart, Michael Fisher. I was hoping you would say his name. His name's Michael Fisher, and Michael he was Fisher. the manager. He was the manager. And then the second single in America, or the second one to make the top 40 in America, Crazy on You, was actually written in conjunction with Nancy Wilson's boyfriend, Roger Fisher. Brothers. Two sisters dating two brothers. I wonder how that goes at family reunions. It yeah. makes it easy. episode that we're going to do going forward yes we'll have a playlist and all people have to do is go to our summary yes. and on this summary will be a hyperlink if they put their finger on that hyperlink for the people who don't understand hyperlinks yeah hyperlink. it will take you to the playlist Crazy on you. And please cut that out, okay? You don't want me to do that again, and I'll crazy cut it out. Crazy on you. So you do Let not want to hear crazy that? crazy on you. So you don't want to hear that in the episode? Do I sound like Ann Wilson? I don't know. Do it one time, and I'll let you crazy know. Crazy <laughs> on you. Dave, I get confused about which one's the older one. Anne is the older one. Anne is older, so that means Nancy's younger. Which one has blonde hair? Nancy, the guitar player. Okay. Now keep in mind, for the most part, Ann Wilson is the lead singer, unless we say otherwise. She's yeah. the lead singer on all the songs. Yeah, she's got a fantastic voice. In my view, she's got one of the best voices. Forget about whether she's male or female. She's got one of the best voices in rock and in roll. In rock and roll. Period. And that's why she and her sister Nancy are at the heart of rock and roll. Yes, they are. And the name of the group is Heart. Yeah, but that's, that's did you know the original name Heart was White Heart? Dave. I woke up this morning thinking of a saltwater fish that has two rows of teeth and is very feisty. What's the third song? Barracuda is the next song. (laughs) Now you can tell everybody about the streams and the dreams and the schemes. 
No, I just was thinking about the fish. And you were I'm thinking, thinking about the fish. And you said when you came to my house, it's, you thought it smelled like I'd been cooking fish. It did smell like you'd been cooking barracuda. Were you cooking I was, barracuda? I was cooking piranha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch out. It's a little toothy. Yeah, I heard that barracuda, you can actually eat it, but it has to be less than three and a half feet long. It's not edible when it gets past three and a half feet. Well, there was a male radio promoter that came up and said something to Ann Wilson that she didn't like. And this is a family show, so I don't know if I can say what it is. Yeah, so the idea is he said something that really set her off. And what did she do in response to that? She said, you barracuda. Yeah. And then went back and wrote barracuda. One of the best songs in rock and roll history she penned as a result of somebody offending her. wrote the lyrics and then the group came together yeah would you play the whole song right now so we can get in trouble no i'll put it on our playlist Playlist? how about that i'll put it on the playlist and that way they get royalties okay how did it do on the charts dave barracuda was a mass hit number 11 number 11 not number nine number nine number 11 number 11 barracuda by heart Dave, I heard that they may have borrowed part of their guitar line for Barracuda from another song. Is there any possibility that there's any truth to that? Nancy Wilson admitted so just a few years ago. We'd been opening for um, a band called Nazareth in Europe. Um, Nazareth had a hit with a Joni Mitchell song that they covered called This Flight Tonight that had that kind of that riff. So we kind of borrowed that <laughs> and we made it into Barracuda. We saw the guys from Nazareth later and they were upset. Wait, Dave, were they were upset, like slightly upset, like a little bit annoyed, or were they extremely angry. upset? They were angry. Angry, like, oh, I'm so mad. You took our ribs. And these are these are a bunch of British guys. Actually, they're from Scotland. So they would have done it with an accent, a they're Scottish from the UK, accent. Yeah. I said, Nancy, you took our ribs. <laughs> we're going to have Scottish people writing you, Dave, saying, how dare you appropriate our Scottish accents? But here's what Nancy said. But that's kind of what everybody does. You borrow from what you love and then you make it your own. It's very hard to recreate that riff from Barracuda. So that was the riff that they lift from Nazareth. Mushroom Records was a Canadian label. They had signed them up for at least two albums and was so enraged at a promotional campaign that they were cooking up for the second album that they decided to go over to Portrait Records, which was a subsidiary of, of Epic. Epic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Paul, you're the lawyer. That caused a lot of problems. Legal they, battles. They still owed a record, yeah. to a second record to Mushroom Records up in Canada. And they but, were hot at this point. They, they were, were hot. hitting the charts. Exactly. So they weren't going to get to go quietly. It wasn't like they were some losing band they were a band making money from mushroom barracuda peaked at number 11 in the united states but up north in canada which was really their home base at the time it hit number two that is huge dave yes what was the fourth hit that you want to talk about today heartless excellent let's hear heartless by heart here it is heartless
Dave, yes. the fourth song is Heartless. And this was released on Mushroom Label. But they left Mushroom. They left Mushroom. They left an unfinished album called Magazine. So they had to do it to fulfill their contract? Mushroom Records was going to release the unfinished version of Magazine, which included Heartless, and went all the way to number 24. There was this little label out of Canada, and they were fighting with the big Epic Records. And once they gave them that album, they were out of the contract. Yeah. Just five months after the magazine album was finally released okay. on Mushroom Records, then their second uh, portrait record, which, like I say, was a subsidiary, subsidiary of, of Epic. Epic, they released an album called Dog and Butterfly. The first single released off of the Dog and Butterfly album was Straight On. What? That's Straight On by Heart off of the Dog and Butterfly album. Dave, as you know, I'm a dog person. You're a cat person. So how did you feel about the Dog and Butterfly album? By this time, I was actually on the radio. I went probably a good 10 years without going out and paying full price for a record. And then I liked it even better when I got them for free. Yes, and Dave, we might as well tell our listeners, they used to stamp the albums that these are DJ copies. And not for sale. Exactly. And not not to give to your little brother. And not to give to your little brother. Under any circumstances. (laughs) Under any circumstances. And that was a popular thing back then. DJs got free albums, hopefully to promote the music. The good thing about it is you'd always get two copies, okay? One to play and one to take home. They wanted to encourage at least the program or music director to take one copy home and listen to it because you know you're not going to have time during your busy work day. And it's not like today where everybody works at home. This is back in the days you actually went to the radio station and you had to get in front of the same microphone that some other guy was breathing on for the last four hours. And get a load of this. That was crazy days back then. And we had headphones that I've never seen since, but it made your voice deeper. It only had one ear flap and then the other ear flap was cut off and it made you have a deeper voice by not having the headphones on yeah. and, and everybody shared had, those the, earphones those one specialized earphones <laughs> back in those days most people didn't carry around you know headphones with them I just one. used the headphones that were in the station yeah And how did that do on the charts? Number 15, it restored them like to a big, big hit. And then the second single, they released the title track. Dog and Butterfly. Dog and Butterfly. Looked at me and smiled. Said, no, 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 child. See the dog and butterfly up in the air. Dog and 
That's Dog and Butterfly by Heart off of the the title track off of the album and a top 40 hit. How high did that hit, Dave? It wasn't as big of a hit because it kind of took them back to their folk rock days and kind of that sound. Yeah. And people were expecting another Barracuda, Magic Man. But it was a nice soft... Yeah, but it was a soft... Yes. Guitar based, well, I'd say acoustic guitar based song. Number 34. And Top you, 40. You didn't ask me when it debuted. When did it debut? It debuted on February the 3rd, 1979. She rolled back down the walls of ground, laughing. She don't know why. She don't know why. Dog and butterfly. You know what a rung is? Well, tell not, the not, listeners. Not, not Todd Rundgren, but a yes. rung. Yeah, what is a rung? Okay, basically, the Hot 100 has 100 rungs. Okay. 100 is the lowest rung, and one is the highest rung. Okay, I can follow that. So, Dog and Butterfly got to number 34. It got one rung higher than Crazy on You at number 35. They're unstoppable in the 70s. Yes. They are definitely what I consider classic. So they released their fifth studio album entitled Baby Lestrange and the first single was released on February 9th, 1980. That's my radio voice. Even It Up by Heart. That's Even It Up by Heart. How high did it go? It was one rung higher than Dog and Butterfly, the previous single. It hit number 33. Dave, some of our listeners have been asking me about our use of the term bubbling under and sniffing the charts. Yes. And these are terms that have been used. Bubbling under well, means... sniffing the charts has never been used by anybody but you. Okay, so I'm a <laughs> sniffer. You're a sniffer and I'm a bubbler. But bubbling is, is really used by billboards. They actually say bubbling under. Now, and all that, that means the, it's Lower than 100? Yes. You have the Hot 100, and Billboard magazine is the industry standard. There used to be some other ones, but Billboard put them all out of business. So each week, Billboard will publish the top 100 songs. What is bubbling under? It just meant it got radio play, it got sales, but it didn't get enough sales of airplay to make the Hot 100. I get it. And it probably is an indicator that it might make the top 100. It's bubbling under. It might very well head toward the top 100. And Paul, funny you mention it. The title track, Baby is Strange, bubbled under at 109. Got to be you, read my letter, not your hired hair. I don't know how to say it no better. I love you in the band. 109, there you go. So but it was a big radio, you know, album rock hit. You know, sure, was, so it bubbled under. It bubbled under. When I heard you play, I knew your name should be Now, what happens when it hits 100? Then it's no longer a bubbler. That's where I think I would distinguish it, because a true hit, in my mind, is a top 40 hit. Top 40 hit. Once you hit the top 40, you have a legitimate hit that you could write home about for the rest of your life. Right. Between 40 and 100, I always say, once it's 41 to 100, it's sniffing the charts. So sniffing for me 
is a song that is on the Hot 100, but it's not yet on the top okay, 40. Okay, so from here on out, bubbling under means you didn't make the Hot 100. Exactly. Sniffing the top 40 means you were 41 through 100. Yes, and then top 40, 40. You're, you're golden. And then, of course, top 10, we're going to say, and then number one, we're going to definitely brag about. That is huge. You have only covered songs that they wrote, and there's no way I can talk you into covering songs that they didn't write, but there is one song that hit number one. I think our listeners are going to demand... They're going to protest outside your house wanting us to play the one song. Okay, but Paul, I have three songs chronologically that, that are coming up before that song. I like that. So we're going to keep people listening. Yes. I've just teased them to tell them that there's a number one song coming up. That is huge. That you were going to skip, Dave. I was you, going to skip. You were going to just skip it like it didn't because matter. Because they didn't write it. Ah, that's why. But what are the three songs coming up before that number one song? Well, their next album was called Private Audition. Yeah, you know, I was listening to that coming yeah, down to your house real- today. It's, it's, oh. <laughs> it, when I hear that album, I think of a lot of hair. They pumped up the volume. They pumped up the volume on the hair. And anything good on Private Audition? It had one top 40 hit, which was written by the sisters. Good. Anne and Nancy Wilson wrote the hit. Along with two love mongers. Ah, so these are people in their side band. Yes. And what's the name of the song? The name of the song is This Man Is Mine. Everybody in this neighborhood, all you And that is a snippet of This Man Is Mine by Heart. And Dave, how did that do on the charts? Well, I just want you to try to guess, was it a bigger hit than Even It Up or a lesser hit? It could have been a bigger hit, but it's not one of my favorite songs. I have other songs of theirs I prefer. Bigger or lesser than Even It Up? I'll say bigger. You are so wrong. I'm wrong. I'll give you a second guess. Was I'll it? say lesser than it was. You are the, so wrong. It was exactly the same. 33. It was a 33 hit on a 45 RPM record. You are really going to I'm play really up the 45s, this. aren't you? And by you the know, way, anyone it, under 40 is not going to know what a 45 is. And so you, let's have a 30 minute dissertation. Well, I didn't get to say when This Man Is Mine debuted on the charts. When did this debut on the charts? Can I use my radio voice? Yeah, you can. Hello out there in podcast land. This is your Dave Derringer. I just wanted to let you know that This Man Is Mine debuted on the Hot 100 on May 15th, 1982. Dave, what's next? What other songs do you have? It took them a while to get back to the top 40. It took them like three years. But then they released their self-titled album in 1985. Wait, they put out an album called... And they switched labels. Yes, okay. They what happens, right? You switch the label and now you just call your album by the name of the band. Heart. Dave, you're not going to mention the five singles from the album. No, this only has one song that they even had a hand in writing. Interesting. So in this fact, album... In fact, this is when they went from being singer-songwriters to just being like puffy-haired 80s uh, bandex rockers. Yeah, which is interesting because, Dave, I think of their classic period as being their authentic period that you just finished covering. And yet, arguably, once they signed to Capitol, they started getting some major hits, right? Right. Dave, what songs from this album called Heart are you wanting to talk about? Never. Never? You don't want to talk about any of them? I want to talk about Never.
So you're never going to play a snippet of it? I will never play a snippet of it. Never. And I bet you, listeners, if we beg Dave, he might just tell us when was it released and how high did it hit? It became their biggest hit ever at number four. Number four? Wow. That is huge. But now, Paul, I'm going to hand you a piece of paper. Paul has never seen this piece of paper. It is actually a printout from Wikipedia. And I would like for you to tell me, remember we said we were not going to do anything but songs that were either written by Anne and Nancy Wilson or co-written. Tell me the, the listing of the songwriters. You want me to actually mention them? Well, there's only three of them. So yeah. Holly Knight, Gene Blotch. Gene Block. And Connie. Connie. So we can't play that song then? I guess not. Who's Connie? I don't know. Is Connie really Anne and Nancy Wilson? <laughs> Connie is a pseudonym <laughs> for Anne and Nancy Wilson. I like that. So That's... that counts. I can use that. You have used it. That's their biggest hit right. yet. Never? Yes, never. What number is that? You said you were covering 10 of the songs. Songs that they wrote. That is actually the ninth out of the ten. So we're almost through with we're the Dave through. Derringer Hour. Dave, I know you said you weren't going to cover any songs uh, that they didn't have a hand in writing, no. but on this album, I believe there is a song that we should cover. It was a number one song. That is huge. It was their first number one song. Yeah. Can we cover it, please? Okay. And can you tell me a little bit about it? For one thing, instead of Big Sister Anne singing, you have Nancy. Whoa, wait a minute. Nancy singing lead vocals on this song? And for the first time ever, they hit number one anywhere. Not even in Canada yeah. had they ever hit number one. You can imagine the sibling rivalry. The little sibling usually is not quite as talented as the older sibling. Would you agree with that? So See, Nancy had a number one hit on a song that she sang, but they didn't write it. No, they did not write it. It was written by a guy named Bernie Toppin. Uh, wait a minute. Elton John's lyricist? Exactly. Whoa. Here it is. These Dreams by Heart, a number one hit. That is These Dreams by Heart. Nancy Wilson sang lead on this song. That was not even one of the songs you were going to pick. Thank no. you for playing it for me. Are you at number 10 now? I'm at number 10. And like I said, they had 20 top 40 hits. They wrote or co-wrote 10 of them. And this is the last one. Is it any good? It was composed this time by Holly Knight along with Nancy Wilson. And Ann Wilson had nothing to do with the composition of the song. And once again, Nancy Wilson recovered from her raspiness, debuting on November 7th, 1987 from the album Bad Animals. It actually hit number 12 on the charts and not and, it's Nancy. It's Nancy Wilson. Lead vocals on There's the Girl. And that's There's the Girl. There's the Girl. It's a heart hit, a top 40 hit. It hit number 12. Nancy and I have had a breather. We've taken a break. Here's my take on heart. They have classic songs. Most of the songs you mentioned today, I think, will stand the test of time. Yes. It's exciting to be growing in a new direction and to see the fans that are still excited to see us. Dave. Yes. Did we cover all the songs that that's you wanted it. to cover? When was their last hit? What year? 1993. So they were hitting the charts from 1975 until 1993. That is correct, sir. That's that's a long career. I mean, if you think about it, for a rock and roll that's band... That's 18 years. Yeah, that's, that's a long time for a rock and roll band to be hitting the charts. We sort of have to go against the idea of disappearing. And, and since then, 
they have, is it safe to say they've become a nostalgia band? They do tour from time to time. The right time for Heart to come back. This is Paul. I'm Dave. We are the Derringer Brothers, and we thank you for listening to Derringer Discoveries. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the Derringer Discoveries podcast. In your sister's room. Derringer Discovery's theme song is Your Sister's Room by the band Hojo Fro. In your sister's room, that's where it started, in your sister... Oh, I'm going to keep that in, Oh, no. Yeah, give me a second take on your version right now. In your sister's room, that's where it started, in your sister's room, that's where it started. Sort of a mellower version. In your sister's room, (laughs) that's where it started. Is that... What? Give me another line. Uh, that's that's the big part of it. You know what my engineer says? What does your engineer say? And we'll probably have to cut it out. Okay. But when I was recording the song, he said, you know, are you worried that people are going to say, in your sister's room, that's where I farted? And now here's a snippet of the latest single by Hojo Fro, In Rivermont. Time becomes the That's been bubbling up now for 40 years We don't get a say in the thoughts that cling to us Take a risk, speak your mind, now you're looking just like a turtle dance I don't know why we can't stay in our lanes Be sure to follow Hojo Fro on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming platform